0: God, we are here this morning to worship you. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for choosing us to be part of your kingdom. Thank you for the opportunity to lift our voices. Thank you for the opportunity to lift our prayers, the opportunity to learn and listen to things about you and about your kingdom. Infect our hearts this morning, Lord. Infect our minds and our souls. Isaiah 9, 1 through 4. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In
1: the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee and of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan.
0: Matthew 4, 12 through 23. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So the title of the
1: talk today is The Essentials of Ministry. Um, woohoo! So uh, I'm hoping not to get into any trouble this morning, um, so I'm going to try to avoid like the five-point plan to successful ministry uh, as much as I can. One, I couldn't really find it on the internet or one that I liked. And, um, and if I did, then a PowerPoint presentation would probably be one of the first things on the list, and I don't have that either. So um, I just wanted to quickly just give an overview of what we've been talking about, just uh, becoming a people of resilience. Resilience means the ability to uh, become strong, healthy, or successful again after something bad happens. Um, And uh, we've been going through the promises uh, in the Old Testament of the Messiah, and then the manifestation of that um, in the Messiah. (laughs) So I wanted to uh, lay down a historical foundation, um, and hopefully through all this text and jargon and history, we can learn to become people of resilience and learn what that means as well. So, uh, in Isaiah 9, uh, it seems that the prophet is giving some sort of reminder um, to the people of God that they, are, that they were led into the hands of Assyria, uh, that uh, they were once exiled, um, out of their own land, deported, treated poorly, and treated as slaves. Uh, this is, this is the first time that that ever happens, um, the, the reminder that he's giving in specific here. And uh, in the pulpit commentary, Assyria uh, explains pretty well, Assyria overwhelms the northern part of the Holy Land, crushes her, lays her low, and she shall remain a while in gloom and darkness. And uh, so you just kind of get a sense of just this, this small reference that he gives, um, just expanding what that means to the Jewish people. Uh, and, and yet, th- what he says throughout his entire work um, life work is, is that there will be a release from this oppression, that, um, that there will be a son to come, and he will be born into the world, and all will be made right, all will be restored. right, And then uh, at the end of this little passage we have here at verse 4, it says, as in the days of Midian. And again, he makes a small reference. Again, um, and this is a story of deliverance where he calls Gideon, God calls Gideon, a man who is the least of his clan, the youngest and the weakest. And uh, his clan is the weakest and the lowest of all the tribes of Israel. And he calls this guy, and tells them to take 300 men with sounding trumpets and with lamps and no weapons and go to the Midianite camp and sound your trumpets. They did this and they defeated over 100,000 Midianite soldiers. Uh, They ran screaming and crying away because of the sounding of the trumpets. My theory is that they probably just didn't know how to play the trumpets very well. And I can't imagine 300 trumpets sounding very well, very good, anyways. <laughs> At the same time, uh, so I'd be running away too. <laughs> but uh, he sends this reminder. He says, "Remember, remember this nonviolent, uh, civilly disobedient thing that you know sent the enemy running for the hills. Didn't have to really do very much. Um, yeah, the deliverance from oppression is going to be better than that." The coming of the Messiah is going to be greater than that. And uh, what's interesting there is uh, that he doesn't really ignore what happened. He acknowledges it. He says, you know, oh, yes, we've been in exile. There have been hard times. He doesn't, he doesn't take it back. He doesn't try to ignore it or erase it. Um, but he does assure the people of God that they are on a journey to redemption. Uh, that the land, And the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the road to the sea, east of the Jordan River and all of Galilee, these places are places of wounds and scars for these people. They go, and there may be, there may be places where you guys go, where you go and there's tension there. There are things that happened in the past that, oh, it's really hard to step into this. Um, this, is, this is what it was like. For, for them, And yet, the places with fresh wounds and scars and hurt and pain are the very places where freedom was found and redemption was made. And this paints a very different picture for the people of God and the places and the situations that they're in. Um, it's as if God is inviting them to see the world in a brand new way. And so we fast forward... Into the life of Christ, and um, Christ has arrived. John the Baptist has been arrested, and uh, according to the author Matthew, um, you know, because John the Baptist was arrested, he withdraws into Galilee, right? And so thus fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, east of the Jordan River, road to the sea, and all of Galilee. Um, all of these places, uh, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Um, you know, this, this is the fulfillment of the process, prophecy, and yet, still, there's a bunch of stuff still going on, right? Um, Christ has come, Christ has arrived, the Messiah is there. But again, like like I've already said before, John the Baptist, the first minister, he's arrested. This is the first guy to talk about, uh, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and uh, the Messiah is all around us, and change your perspective about everything that you've thought about this place. The kingdom of heaven is near us. And, and, you know, locusts taste way better with honey. Um, <laughs> this is a guy that faces death before Christ even starts his ministry. So they're already, they're already in the red <laughs> as far as successful ministry goes. Um, And the people of God, they still face torment, right? They uh, are still held captive, um, tormented, beaten in the streets by Roman soldiers, forced to do the bidding of any authority that told them what to do, no matter how ridiculous the task. And yet, it is at this time that Jesus begins his ministry and he says change your perspective about everything you've thought about this world. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Brothers and sisters, Jesus' does not, Jesus's words in ministry do not attempt to escape reality here. He's not trying to create a new place. He enters the fresh wounds. He dives right in. (laughs) And, um, And that is where he begins his ministry. That is where life starts. And then Jesus calls his disciples... Uh, after, he's, after he's, you know, invited the whole world to view the world in a different way, he calls his disciples, and like a good Jewish rabbi, he, he says, come follow me. And this is something that uh, Jewish rabbis would say when they were calling their disciple. Um, this, is, this is rabbinic tradition. Um, the student, who is about teenager, high school age, would come up to the rabbi, he would say, you know, I want you to teach me your ways, I want to be your student, Um, and then the rabbi would begin to test him, and if he thought that this student was the best of the best, he would say, come follow me. And if they weren't the best of the best, and if they didn't really pass all the tests and stuff, um, he would say go and Go back home to your family, work on your trade, work on your family trade. You don't got what it takes. Go home. And uh, Jesus walks up to all of the disciples who are, in, who are common workers. So for some scholars and some historians, it's assumed these, these teenagers have already been sent home by some other rabbi saying, you don't got what it takes. Go learn the family business. And um, Jesus, however, says, yes, <laughs> yes you do. You do have what it takes to be exactly like me. Come along and let me teach you the ways in which you are to live. And um, They made plenty of mistakes along the way. And they probably agitated Jesus a lot. And um, Jesus probably agitated them too, I'm sure. Um, But through them and with them, great things happen beautiful things. The poor are dignified, sicknesses and diseases are cured and the spread of the good news all over the world these these this you know group of people who didn't make the cut the first time who made all the mistakes <laughs> who even when it mattered most couldn't couldn't stick to their guns on things and couldn't follow through with stuff that Jesus asked them to do. These are the people that Jesus calls. These are the people that Jesus uses to change the whole world. And, um, I don't know, that really speaks to me. Um, I have the tendency to be really humble, quote-unquote humble. So, I don't know if it's like the church culture, tradition, or if it's just my own mess or both or what, but um, I, I grew up thinking that humility and uh, self-deprecation were like one and the same, and so uh, being humble meant being nothing or being less. Um, You know, and I make tons of mistakes, Um, and am super hard on myself and pressure myself to be whatever. But um, I don't know. Uh, There's this. There's one one story, uh, (laughs) which most of you know. You know me already, most of you, and uh, I make a lot of mistakes, and. I don't answer phone calls or texts or emails, and I sometimes don't follow through with things very well, and, uh, you know, sometimes I'm late to every single meeting, 100% of the time, <laughs> and one time, one time Jeff asked me, actually, you know what, it was Gary, where's Gary? He's around here somewhere, there he is, uh, he asked me to lead worship one Sunday, and uh, I was like, yeah, sure, and I wake up the next morning, and I, I had such a horrible sleep, but I just tried to sleep in, and Walter walks by. We're living in an apartment, and he's like, uh, yeah, uh, aren't you supposed to be leading worship this Sunday? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, oh, man, yeah, what time is it? Uh, I got to go right now, and he's like, it's, it's 10 o'clock, man, and I was like, oh, Oh man, I'm gonna die. I am gonna die. They're gonna kill me. They are going to kill me. That's what's gonna happen. Yep, I'm gonna die. And then I said, you know, that's okay. That's all right. And I just, I just went and, uh, and like got there at the end of the service because I had to take the bus all the way there and uh, just missed the whole thing. They had to, you guys had to re-finagle like the whole service. So that like people had to get together and band together and make their own songs. I think Randy and Drew and some other people were part of that, and they did like some acapella service, uh, like <laughs> like uh, like ch- a Church of Christ or something. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I don't know. That that one instance, I was I was feeling like, yeah, you know, it's not a big deal. But you know, there are a lot of times in which. I equate humility with god I'm so stupid why did I do that it's it's like it's like I don't even take god's words seriously it's like I don't take his salvation seriously I just mess up all the time I'm never going to be good enough to actually do anything great and I'm kind of paraphrasing here but you get what I'm saying and yet, um, God says, Jesus says straight to their faces, and hopefully straight to ours, yeah, you've got what it takes. You can be like me. So something I'm learning is uh, just learning how to function in the midst of my failures. And... Um, and not try to make everything so pretty all the time. It, it doesn't work out anyways, but <laughs> it, uh, it brings a lot of ease to my mind. I don't know if it could for you guys too. Learning to take all the things that I've messed up and live in the midst of them. <laughs> and all the relationships I've broken and um, friendships I've messed up. And wrong things that I've always said, or uh, the meetings, the countless, countless meetings I've missed. <laughs> uh, learning how to become stronger in the midst of that. Learning how to be resilient, radiant, maybe. <laughs> And so it seems that even today... You were It That's right. It wasn't, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> that was somebody else's doing. <laughs> but uh, it seems as though, you know, the words of the past, the words, you know, see the world in a new way. See yourselves in a new way. These are things There's things that mean something, at least to me. Um, And I could be wrong. Again, I don't have a five-point plan to successful ministry, but uh, I can say that grace is probably pretty pretty well tied to that. And um, confidence. And the knowledge that Jesus has faith in us. In uh, the words of Buddy Wakefield, he talks about, uh, in a poem, he talks about uh, a woman who wakes up with an alarm and the screen flashes every day is one day less, um, and just keeps flashing that. And, uh, and there's another guy who tattooed on his arms, it says, uh, uh, forgive me, so he remembers each morning not to hate himself so much. And Buddy Wakefield says to all of these people that what they're missing is that there is life after survival. Um, And uh, in the midst of all the hardships and the lands of Zebulun and Galilee, right? Uh, The places with wounds and scars. May Jesus enter into those places. And may you do that too. And may we find freedom there and redemption and transformation. And in doing so, may it carry us even further to know that God, God, the creator of the earth, thinks the absolute best of us and calls us to call out the best And everyone else, too. Peace be to you, brothers and sisters.
0: May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it.